Um, but I guess we could probably probably start with Rolando, can't we? Yeah, we can start with Rolando. So, Rob, I I need to ask you about a classic iOS game called Rolando because this is a game that came out in 2008 and it's culturally significant because in 2008 we were just starting to see what iOS could be as a gaming platform. And what Rolando did, instead of just like porting some junky apps from some other platform onto iOS with complicated on-screen controls, it used the sensors and the technology in the iPhone to build a game that was very specific to that device. And for Rolando, that meant using the accelerometer to tilt your phone to move these little round characters and roll them across the screen in kind of a it was a basic it's basically a puzzle platformer game and that game though it disappeared in 2017 when apple migrated to the 64-bit architecture and it was probably one of the most beloved games that disappeared in that transition because a lot of the classic ios games that were really popular from back in the day did in fact get migrated to 64-bit not all of them but a lot of them and we but we lost a lot of games then a lot of apps including Rolando and today as we record this Rolando has come out with a new edition called Rolando Royal Edition which is a basically a remaster they moved the original game to the Unity game engine added a lot more detail in the background, textures, particle effects, you know, overlapping background elements, all that stuff that is very common in a modern iOS game, but was completely absent from the 2008 game because that was an entirely different era 10 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get this out first. And I, I think we maybe mentioned this on the last episode and I said it to you today. I have no recollection of this game existing. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm living in a parallel universe. Everyone's going, oh, Rolando's back. And I'm like, I don't know this game. I don't remember it. I'm pretty sure I've never played it. Um, as far as I can tell, the first time I've even seen screenshots of it was from your article today with the, the side-by-side. Uh-huh. Um, so I've got no... There was no excitement from me that, oh, it's back, because I, I honestly... Honestly, just cannot remember it at all. I was pretty proud of my title. Uh, what was your title? Rola- I can't remember. Rolando rolls back onto the App Store. Nice, <laughs> nice, nicely done. There you go. I all right. Just here's a behind the scenes story for you. I just got back from a trip to Ireland, and I've been a little jet lagged. And I usually start the day out feeling pretty good and ready to go and get a lot of work done. And then pretty early in the evening, I just run out of gas because it's effectively you know midnight in Dublin. So I've been going to bed really early. And last night, a bunch of stuff came up and just interrupted my day, and I didn't get to writing this review. So this was a review that... I played the game. I'd been playing the game for a few days because I only just got the codes for, you know, got access to it a few days ago. Uh, I've been playing the game and I was researching the game, but I didn't start writing about the game until this morning at, I think, 3.30 in the morning, maybe 4 (laughs) o'clock. And thank goodness it's a really good game and it was really easy to write the review because, and it only took a couple of hours because. 
I don't know. Uh, otherwise, it just wasn't going to happen because uh, I, I crashed last night and just couldn't couldn't get it done yesterday. So I I did it this morning, super early. Well, I, I've got a review for you because you you text me and you said, "Oh, play play Rolando, buy it." Um, <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like tilt controls. I don't like motion controls. Oh. <laughs> just to be clear, there's clearly like, you know, I played the first few levels and. Clearly, there's nothing wrong with the game. Like this is, a, I can see that it's a very good game, but motion controls just don't work for me. I'm not interested. Uh, so, yeah, it, I, I, it's a very, you know, they, they, at least they got my three pounds. Right. Well, um, you know, I, it's fine. They can keep that. It's a very specific mobile type of experience that I understand is not for everybody, and there's a very strong dose of nostalgia involved with this particular game, in that it's a game that. For I think for a lot of iPhone owners, it was probably one of the first games that they played, right? I mean, there are other things like Tap Tap Revenge and other games that came before this because this didn't come out till the end of 2008, but it's still one of the very earliest games. And what, what set it apart really was the way that it used the existing technology in the phone as a game mechanic. And... I think what they've done with the remaster is by kind of by making it more 3D, by adding these textures, they've been true to kind of the roots of the game, which is the you know the tilt controls and and the gestures and all that, but they've layered in this incredible environment which coupled with the the soundtrack by DJ Mr. Scruff and the and the sound effects Sorry, you're making up names, are they? No. What did you just no, say? No, D- DJ Mr. Scruff. There's no period after Mr. I checked. And, oh, I see. And it just works really well, I think, from a mobile standpoint. But I, I totally get that this game is probably not for everybody, but it's also, it, in some respects, it's very much of its time. But the remaster, if you liked it at the time, works really well on today's phones and it's just a little more immersive and colorful and sounds even better with the you know the improvements in speakers and things like that oh yeah for sure i mean you know it looked like i say i'm not this isn't a judgment on the game it's just not for me but like you know it looks really nice as you say that the the soundtrack is really good um i mean if they remaster flight control let me know because i'll be throwing money at my phone Um. (laughs) well i've been hearing things rob and that's one that gets thrown around a lot there's i don't know if you have you heard about uh game club uh yes yeah this is the the i get the people that are trying to sort of bring back old ios games yes yes and their business development guy is eli hodap hodap i'm sorry eli for totally butchering your last name but he was the <laughs> former editor-in-chief at touch arcade and he he's working for them now and they've got a team of developers who are working with the original creators of some of these classic ios games to bring them forward and make them work on modern iPhones. Uh, you know, a lot of these were either their art assets were constrained to very specific dimensions for the early phones, or they were built on all kinds of, you know, weird flash-like platforms that aren't really used, sure. you know, like uh, Adobe type stuff that what that's not really used any longer. And so they're moving them to modern game engines 
and bringing them back. Uh, they released Hook Champ, which was a really popular game back in the day. And they're trying to, they're doing like one a week, which is really crazy to me. But I, I met Eli when I was at GDC a couple of weeks ago in San Francisco, and we talked about it. And one of the things that he explained to me was that each of these old games has kind of a classic set of problems for bringing it forward to modern iOS architectures. And because they're they're basically leveraging scale where they're able to figure out all right well if the game was built this way back in 2008 then here's what we need to do to make it work in 2019 and if it was this done this other way with this other set of tools and and you know engine or whatever it happens to be here's what we have to do to, to make that work and so they're they're kind of working their way through a catalog of older games and bringing them forward and and they've got the efficiencies of having solved these problems for one game, they can kind of apply it to a bunch of different games. And hopefully that way, with a still a relatively small team of people, they're able to bring these new games out on a weekly basis. Yeah, that is, that's very cool. I guess I that you know, clearly I somehow just had complete blindness to Rolando. But, you know, there are a lot, like I say, flight control, I think is the one that jumps to mind. I think that was the one I, because uh, I didn't get an iPhone until 2009, I think. So the, the App Store was a bit more fleshed out at that point. Um, but yeah, Flight Control, I think, was the first game that I really spent a lot of time on. Um, and yeah, I kind of, I just want that back. All right, Rob, enough about games. I want to talk to you about the iPad because you, I think, went on another spending spree and got yourself a new iPad. I did. Which I did. I, I I decided this is it. I'm going to get one. I'm going to. You are going to mill. You you dove right into the multi pad lifestyles. What I think you probably did. No, oh, I, did. Right. I just got one. Oh, the solo. Uh, the solo. I thought, pad. You know, there might be something to this iPad thing. Uh, so I, <laughs> I'll give it a go. Yeah. You, nine year <laughs> nine years later, he buys an iPad. All right. Explain to me what did you get and what are you uh, doing with it? So I got the the new iPad Air. Uh, I was going to get the Mini, and I think regular listeners to the show will be like, hang on a minute, Rob, didn't you always say you wanted a Mini? I did. And then when I was on the page, I thought, yeah, but for a little bit more, I could have the Air, and that's a big one. Uh, so, yeah, so I've got I got the new Air, I got a pencil, and I picked up like this little folio case from Amazon. Um, I, I wanted something with a pen slot for the you know for the pencil sure so that i could at least keep it all together um and i found something on amazon cases turned up it's pretty good um so yeah that that was that was what i bought that's a that um, right there is a ringing endorsement it's pretty good yeah well I, it was like eight pound on amazon i mean it's... okay i thought you meant the whole ipad <laughs> oh no 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 just just the okay case. The, the case is the case is pretty all good. right all right um and you know, the iPad's what I expected. I mean, I'm not, it's not like I haven't touched an iPad for nine years. No, I know. Um, you know, I did have one years ago. I had the original Mini. Yep. Um, and, you know, we have stacks of iPads and all manner of other tablets at work. So, you know, I do interact with them at least a little bit. Right. Um, so, and I guess your question is, why have I bought one? Because I don't really like iOS. I don't really like doing stuff on 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 my phone i always use my mac um i felt like i kind of wanted something where you know just for 
sort of browsing the internet and reading and stuff like that where I don't really want to get my whole laptop out, but the phone is, even a big phone is too small for like sort of decent browsing. Um, And, you know, I wanted to try my hand at drawing, I guess. Um, You know, and the iPad's a pretty good place to do that because there's a sort of a lot of decent apps around. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, I think those are all good reasons to try an iPad out. And I, you know, I'm actually myself in the process of acquiring a a second iPad. Now, you may recall, I do have a second iPad currently because when I, when I crushed my iPad Pro last summer, I got a 9.7 inch iPad and it's, you know, it's good. I actually used it a fair amount when I was in Ireland uh, because it, it works better than a laptop on a tray table in an airplane. And so, you know, I just prop the sucker up on the tray and, and I have this little Logitech keyboard called keys to go, which is a really bad keyboard that is, has incredibly long battery life and is super tiny and light. So it it has that going for it, but it's not a great keyboard. Um, But I, I was using that to do a little writing on the airplane, that kind of thing. And I thought, you know what? All these iPads are going to the A12 processor, and that to me says that there's going to be a big announcement at WWC about what's going to happen this fall with the iPad. And so I really want to, I really want to upgrade my iPad to the current processors. And so what I decided to do was dig through my drawers, find all my old gear, and trade it in. So I'm trading in, in let's see, an iPhone 6, a 6S, a Series 3 Apple Watch, and I sold a couple of thermostat, uh, Ecobee smart thermostats on, through Twitter in the last week. And I'm using that money. <laughs> I'm using that money to get myself one, an iPad mini, and which okay. <laughs> your iPad, and two, a bridge keyboard for it. Because you know what I'm going to do? I'm trying to come up with the smallest, lightest, most compact writing tool that I can absolutely find. Most of the time, I expect that iPad is going to be for reading books, comics, whatever. You know, it's just kind of more of a consumption device. But I still want something, especially with a keyboard, where I, where if I'm in that kind of situation where space is limited, I can actually use it to write. I mean, when I was on this trip, I used the 9.7 sum on a plane to write. But when I was like on a train or in the back of an Uber or whatever it was, I did a little I did a fair amount of work on my phone and it was okay. I mean it wasn't it wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. I wrote like an 800 word column for the for Mac Stories Weekly entirely on wow. entirely on my f- phone from a tour bus because it was like one of those things where I mean I wasn't working that much on vacation, but you know you're on a tour bus, it's late at night, you're going back to I was heading back to Dublin on like a four hour I had like a three hour bus ride where it was completely dark outside. There was nothing to look at. And so I just sat there with my phone and wrote wrote a story. But I would have liked to have done that on an iPad mini. I didn't really have the space. I didn't have a tray in that situation. I didn't have a lot of space to do to really maneuver and and use something bigger. But with a mini I think figure at at worst I can thumb type. And at best, I'll have the ability to use a keyboard if I can get the... Uh, I'm thinking of getting the bridge keyboard that can attach to a Mini. Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, that, that totally makes sense. If you're looking for something compact, as you say, you, you're capable of doing it on your phone, but just that the Mini, where it's slightly bigger, 
um you know and you're actually getting you know the ipad apps rather than iphone apps which you know, for the most part are the same but you know you're still getting a little bit of extra screen space and, and stuff like yep. that so um yeah i mean and one of the things you mentioned there that i i'd actually forgotten like comics is another reason i got this because i have a bunch of digital codes um from where i've bought physical comics and you, and you get the codes with those right. um and i've also bought a bunch of the comic bundles from hum- humble bundle um so i've got like <laughs> this big folder full of digital comics that i've bought that i haven't read because i don't really want to sit on my mac and just sort of sit at a desk and read them so like an ipad is is you know a, another um that's a much better way to be reading digital comics than than sitting in front of my computer yeah no that, that that's a really good point and I've found myself reading more electronic books recently and I, you know, the 12.9 inch iPad pro for all of its benefits, is just not something you want to sit in bed with and try to read from. It's just, it's too big and too heavy for that. Um, it's fine if you're sitting at a table or whatever, but it's not good for lounging on the couch or in bed or whatever it is. So I think the mini, the mini, you know, it, it, it's it's an iPad that I've never really owned for myself, and I wanted to see what it would be like to use it as kind of my my secondary iPad. So we'll see. I mean, I haven't bought one yet. I'm still waiting. I've got I'm waiting for the boxes to turn up so I can turn in all these uh, this old gear and get my uh, store credit before I buy the the iPad. So it'll probably be a couple of weeks, but either next episode or maybe the one after that, I'll be able to kind of preliminary preliminarily report on how it's been going yeah no that's um yeah i mean if you've got a box full of stuff you might as well trade it in if you need to buy something new. <laughs> yeah i've got ju- i've got um, too many electronics around here i just gotta start it, it's it's electronic spring cleaning oh absolutely yeah um I, I i did have a funny moment like obviously um i mean i i don't know if i don't think we've spoken about this but i ordered the ipad online and it was going to arrive tomorrow actually um because they were sort of back ordered and stuff like that and then on saturday i checked the apple store near me or it's not near but it's close enough um and they had them in stock so i went and picked one up and i get home and you know oh brilliant i can open it up and i'd had the pencil for a few days anyway um and as i was setting it up i sort of realized that what i'd done for the last sort of three or four years is just anytime there was any ipad news or talk or anything like that i just sort of blanked it out um so i'm sort of sat in front of this device like for all the things i know about the mac and apple as a company the iphone and just tech in general i just ignored everything about the ipad so i had no idea what i was doing so like <laughs> i ended up going through you know I, I went back through like the mac stories uh the club mac stories archive and read a bunch of the apps and you know i was looking through like federico's ios review because i couldn't remember what things were actually part of the ipad and what wasn't um it was kind of a weird feeling that i sort of subconsciously just ignored all this stuff and and just didn't have any knowledge to to start with yeah i was going to tell you that there's totally a website out there that you can go to and learn about all this stuff uh, it's it's called Mac Stories. I, this is an iPad. I, it's very it's confusing. Super confusing. It's you know naming. What are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, um, but yeah, like I say, I mean, you know, it's not it's not difficult. I mean, you can Google you know fifty best iPad apps, and you're gonna have ten thousand different articles that are gonna give you. I mean, 
the funny thing is you read one or two of them and then you're done because every all of these kind of sites like use the same kind of list so <laughs> the kind of stuff that's in club mac stories and, and places where there's a lot more effort put into the content <laughs> <laughs> um, was a lot more useful to, to me than than some of these places that I was finding. We 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 thank you as a uh, as a subscriber of Club Max Stories for your compliments. There you go. <laughs> uh, I extend my <laughs> my official gratitude for the Max Stories team to Mr. Rob Lewis <laughs> of Portsmouth, UK. You know, I got to ask you when I was when I crossed the border into Northern Ireland a couple of days ago. Uh, I I texted you and or I tweeted you and Mike Hurley and and said that uh, I was in the UK. Did you think I was in England? Yeah, so so I was uh, yeah I was out with Jess. Um, we were I can't remember where we were, we were just out and about, and uh, my my watch buzzed and I said, "Oh, John's in the UK," and I said, "Oh, if he's in London and he hasn't told me," <laughs> um, and then I thought about it for a second and I went. No, I bet he's just crossed the border, and he's just telling. And then, obviously, I, I text you, and that's exactly what you said. You're like, oh, yeah, I've just crossed over the border, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, we went, <laughs> we went on a tour into Northern Ireland, and so we, you know, it, it's funny because when you cross the border, I was using AT and T has a deal where, I think it's like ten dollars a day, you get to use your your data from the U.S. in a bunch of different countries. I think they have like a hundred plus countries, and it's all all of Europe and the UK and whatnot. And when you land, you know, they send you a text message saying, hey, just let you know you're incurring this charge of $10 a day now that you're in uh, the Republic of Ireland. So fine. But then when you cross the border into Northern Ireland, you get the same text message again. I guess they send it every time you cross a border to a new country or at least, you know, connect to a different carrier for that particular country. Yeah, I I assume that's what's happening because although the border in some situations is the border can sometimes go down the middle of a road uh, with houses either side right. but yeah i'm guessing that's what's happening they go oh hang on a minute you've changed countries um and i'm guessing their systems don't actually care that the two countries you're talking about are right next to each other right right um so uh yeah but yeah like i say that was i sort of realized that you that's what you'd actually done yeah. and that you weren't I, th- I think what I said, oh, it's not even the proper UK. It's nowhere near us. <laughs> it's not the like, proper that's a, UK. That's across the water. <laughs> <laughs> come on, it's a kingdom. I'm not, come on. Uh, yeah. yeah. So that, that United <laughs> might be a bit of a stretch at this point. Probably, but... <laughs> probably. Um, yes, so that's where I kind of ended up the last two weeks. I started the two weeks in San Francisco, so my body clock is all screwed up. I was in San Francisco for GDC met with a bunch of game developers. It was kind of a neat experience. Uh, I had never done that before. But, uh, you know, there, there are a couple of things. One is it was a lot of fun. I got to see the whole Google announcement about about yeah. their streaming gaming service, which sounds really great, but I don't think it'll ever happen. And it'll be like Google Duo or whatever their latest messaging thing was because I yeah. think that there are just so many potential technological issues with actually making that happen and then on top layered on top of that business issues i just it's hard to imagine it actually working or game companies really embracing it but it's it's a neat idea and i hope in some respects as a as a person who plays games i hope it works um but you know i started out the week kind of dealing with that stuff 
uh, and it was a lot of fun. But on the other hand, I'm also now, I think, on literally one million email lists for PR companies, for game companies, which... Of course you are. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it's funny because when I started working in Mac Stories, it was like, oh, this is wonderful. I don't get that much email. But that's like any new job, I suppose, right? I mean, nobody, yeah. nobody knows, knows who you are or what your email address is at first. And now I literally, I think... GDC probably shared my email with, you know, 20,000 PR firms and game developers, which, you know, good in some respects because there will be some some good games that come out of that that will cover on Mac stories. On the other hand, you know, the signal and noise is pretty is pretty bad. I, you know, get a lot of get a lot of junk too. Yeah, but on, on the subject of Google's it's called Stadia, Stadia, Stadia yeah, something like yeah. Stadia. Um, on the, here's my prediction. Um, this is going to be like when they started with the 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 uh, the Google TV boxes, you know, because they've had like three different goes at this until they've hit Android TV. Right. I think this is going to be the same thing. I think this current iteration that we're seeing will sort of disappear, and then in a couple of years they're going to come out, you know, with something. It'll be improved and it'll be better, but it'll be basic. And I think it's going to take them a few attempts to get something that either one really catches on or two that people actually care about. Yeah. That, that's just my no, prediction. No, I, I think you might be right. I mean, it, they've done what I think is a very Google thing, which is they have thrown an extraordinary amount of technology at the problem, which might work, but there's a lot more to it. I mean, to me, the most telling thing about the service is that they had no games to show off. They had this one test of Assassin's Creed Odyssey <laughs> that they did last fall, right? Right. Which is a real AAA game, and you know they were able to get it to run at, at I think, 60 frames per second uh, at 1080p, which is cool over you know a relatively strong Wi-Fi connection. Um, but they had no nothing else other than they kind of mentioned, oh, yeah, there's this Doom thing that's going to come someday. Uh, so there was that, and there was also the aspect that they had no idea what the they didn't explain what the business model was, what they were going to charge people, what it was going to cost. You know, <laughs> does this are you going to buy sixty dollars games and they're going to somehow come to you, or is it going to be like ten dollars a month? It's just not clear at all. And that, I mean, it was it was pretty funny because I got there and they were building. You know, I'm used to being in San Francisco for WWC, and I was first of all, GDC is way, way bigger than WWC. I mean, it was overwhelming. There are thirty thousand plus people at this show compared to like roughly five thousand for WWC, and it takes up all of Moscone, not just West, which is where WWC used to be, but also North and South. So it's the whole complex, and there are just people everywhere. And outside what used to be Julian's, which was a sports bar that everybody used to kind of, I don't know, it was not a good sports bar, but people would gather there because it was across from Moscone West. It's now something else. It's like a craft brewery thing, you know, very San San Francisco. But Google was building this little hut, and I took, you know, I went. There's security people around. I was like, well, any guy walked around the corner. I take a few pictures, posted them online, and they were retweeted by Wario64. Do you know who Wario? You you know that? Uh... I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that my my Twitter kind of blew up based on that because uh, it, Wario64 reports on a lot of game stuff, and I had some of the first pictures of what was going to be the hands-on area 
for Stadia. And, right. and you know, it, it reminded me so much of the Mac Pro when I was at WWC in 2013 because yeah. at, at that WWC, the Mac Pro was like behind a glass case, very much like the original iPhone. You know, it's like, look, but don't touch. And at GDC this year, the controller was behind glass and it was a look, don't touch thing. And the little and the little <laughs> hut that I had seen being built was became like a little museum. You could go there were like seven stations or so, and they had like issue one of of Nintendo Power and an original NES and an original Sega. Right. And, and so they had all these things. You kind of went from the oldest, which is like an Atari twenty six hundred, and then you you know you worked your way through history of gaming, and there was like a PS one and whatnot. And you got to the last thing, and it was the Google controller behind glass. And you know what? It was, it was a little bit like, yeah, Google, I don't know. I'm not sure you've really shown us yet that your controller should be in this array of these historical objects from video game history. It was a little, it was just a little much. Yeah, I mean, that, that controller is much more likely to end up next to the, uh, the Ouya is that what it was called? Yeah, or, or that Kickstarter little <laughs> thing. Like, come on, right? Or, or, or maybe the uh, the ET video game that got buried in the dump in uh, in in New Mexico. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess we'll see, won't we? But, yeah, I don't so. mean to be too hard on it. I mean, I I think the idea is good, and I I like the idea that games could live in the cloud, and you wouldn't have updates and all the other frustrations and and friction that goes along with playing video games. But, you know, especially when you consider what a lot of the world has in terms of internet connectivity, it's really hard to imagine that that's something that's going to be a big deal for a while. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see the Google engineers, uh, you know, t take it out of California and then test it. Um, you know, because I'm sure their internet's great, but uh, as you say, that's that's not the the story for the rest of the world necessarily. Right, exactly. So, cool. Well, uh, yeah, I guess we're we're probably done for this week. Uh, well, I get this week. It's weird because we do it every two weeks. So it's, yeah, uh, but it's but really but it week, is but... this week, and you know what? We'll be we'll yeah. be back in a couple of weeks. We will, and uh, I'm sure there'll be. Sure, we'd have plenty of topics to talk about in a couple of weeks. I'll, I guess I'll probably have some more iPad stuff because uh, you know I've only had it a couple of days, so uh, I guess I can catch you up on I'll that. I'll give you some life hacks and tools and tips. Thank you very All much. All right. <laughs>